Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the world's greatest boxing podcast, I Like Boxing with Joe and Joel. I'm Joseph Caulfield, joined as always by the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, and as Rick Ross would say, the biggest boss I've seen thus far, Joel Ilié. Here he is looking dapper with his Christmas haircut. What a smooth criminal he is. Mm. Joel, how are you? Good, thank you, Joe. How are you? Well, I'm, I felt better. Yeah. I've had a virus, sort of confined to bed for a couple of days. Had an out-of-body experience, poured a lot of sweat. God. Really drenched the bed sheets. Oh, had, it was you horrible. Had a, you had a George Foreman, did you? What's that? Well, he had his out-of-body experience. Oh, his, yeah, uh, his yeah. calling after the Ron Lyle fight, didn't he? He did, yeah. Went back to the dressing room and realised. Yeah. Do you think he drenched his bed sheets as well? In blood. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah, probably did. Well, yeah. I didn't, so good. I mean, that's one good thing about my virus. <laughs> it's all on the up. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and it's it's spread to everyone else in my family. So You can maybe describe you as toxic. Yeah, oh, well done, Joel. <laughs> oh, yeah, good, good. You got me. First time for everything. Well, I had, I had a good weekend anyway, Joel. I'm not interested. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Thanks for asking. It was decent. Yeah. How was the Christmas party that I had to miss? We it was nice. Miss. It was nice. It was nice. It was the first one since pre-COVID, wasn't it? So yeah. it was nice sort of catching up with all the people that you, you know, didn't bother to make the effort for. Yeah. But I did. Yeah, so, no, yeah. yeah. I didn't right. want to give anyone, you know... So there were a lot of pullouts for illness, yeah. right? and there is a lot of sickness going on around at the moment. And we were discussing how pre-COVID people would still turn up. They would sort of prioritise fun yeah. over, you know, other people's health. Yeah. And these days it's reversed. And if you feel a bit bit down, a bit bad, you, you just stay away, didn't you? Yeah, so, yeah. Thank you. We appreciate it, mate. No, I'm, I'm pretty upset. I'd really like to have gone to that, but such is life. Indeed. Right, we should probably crack on because, um, as always, there was a busy weekend, well, as a week as well, boxing. Let's start off with the weekend's fight. So let's start off with our boy, Chris Billum-Smith against Armin Joja. That was an interesting fight. I mean, when in the previews, I gave Armin absolutely no chance and said it was a essentially keep busy fight for Chris Billum-Smith whilst, you know, whilst he waits a world title fight next year. And... Uh, Chris Billum Smith was quite badly rocked in the second round of that fight. Um, he took the punch well, gathered his you know senses, managed to ride the storm, and then finished the fight in the fifth round, knocking Armand out with you know possibly a knockout of the year contender there. But um, yeah, a tougher fight than expected. Well, I think sometimes when you drop down a level, you can drop your your performance down a level. Yeah, I think that may have happened here with yeah. with Chris. He. The jab which he threw, which invited the right hand for Armand, was terrible. It was a really lazy, slow jab that he didn't bring back to his chin. Armand just, you know, Jojai just just threw this right over the top. Caught Chris badly in that second round and his legs dipped. He was in all yeah. sorts of bother, wasn't he? Yeah. But he did come back well and he 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 ticked a box that he's ticked numerous times in his career. He's made of the stuff. He, he is. He's got the stuff, as you say. Yes. So, yeah, Chris Billum-Smith, I mean, there's the there's a lot of talk after the fight about him fighting Jay Opatai next year. I mean, he deserves a world title shot. I'm not, you know... He's seen, for me, he's paid his dues at this sort of British, European, 
level. And I really fancy his chances against Jay Abdul. I'm not saying, you know, I certainly don't see him as the favourite, but because he's made of the stuff, I think, he, you know, I could see him pulling it off. Yeah, and he's probably got the size and strength over him, hasn't mm. he, over Jay? So, yeah, I think he'll have a, a good chance, a decent chance for an undisputed, well, yeah. not undisputed, but lineal sort of belt isn't it it's, it'll be the number one yeah because uh, I guess Jay Opatai beat Mar- he beat the man Maris yeah. Bradis um, and if, and the other thing with Jay Opatai is you never know where, you know I mean he, is he still reeling from that stint in an Australian jail well <laughs> this is the thing Opatai's had this massive win how long ago is it now ages ago yeah he's done nothing yeah and so this is when you want to catch him yeah you know by the time the fight comes along if it does it's going to be in another five six months he would have had at least a year out of ring yeah that's when you want to go for a new champion who's not grown into the role yeah he's a young guy get him over get him at the vitality yeah and jump on him yeah yeah I mean, if he fights at the Vitality or if he fights anywhere in Bournemouth, I mean, just can't see anything other than a Chris Billum Smith win. He'll somehow get, well, he'll either get the dodgy home (laughs) decision or he'll just win the fight. But um, yeah, I like Chris Billum Smith. He's a a great, great fighter. He's he's an exciting fighter. You know, he's never in a dull fight. And um, I really like Shane McGuigan too as well. I mean, he's, he's a really... Great trainer, he's he's doing great things in the sport. So we're fans uh, of the whole gym, really, aren't we? Yes, yeah, and it's a gym that's just down the road from here. It so, is. So, yeah. you know. We should really just pop down there one day and say, look, we're we we I like boxing with Joe and Joel. You should be affiliated with us. Give us access to all your fighters, yep. interviews, you know. I we'll missed my chance. I, I saw um, Chris Billum Smith and Ellie Scottney down the road. Did I tell you about this? No, I, I saw don't think you did. a couple of weeks ago. Oh no! Yeah, I think it must have been that that week I had off for the first week of the World Cup. Oh right, yeah. And so I was around in the day, walked past, and they were walking down the road. Obviously, just had a workout. Yeah, that, that's the end of the story. Oh. Um, well, no, I gave Ellie Scottney a nice smile. She smiled back. Of course, she did. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and moving swiftly on. So, um, yeah, great performance uh, from Chris Billum Smith in the end, and uh, big things for him in 2023. Let's talk about another fight that was on the box card, which was Dan Aziz against Rocky Fielding, a fight I was quite looking forward to. But I have to say, as the fight drew closer and closer, it became, it just seemed more and more apparent to me that Dan Aziz was going to win this fight quite convincingly well Rocky had failed to make weight hadn't he yes, by yeah. a pound and he didn't attempt to drop the weight either yeah once he'd he'd weighed in a pound over the limit his trainer um Jamie Moore decided that he shouldn't try and lose the weight he's pushed his body enough and it would be unhealthy for him to to attempt to lose any more so they just gave up his chance at the belts yeah and the, I mean this is a thing as well in Rocky Fielding's big fight, he's he, he's so easy to punch to the body. Mm. I mean, it's I guess it's because he's so tall and lanky, but um, there's too much length length to, yeah, to defend. I, th- but... I think that this is why Dan Aziz would have been an awful style matchup for Fielding, even at his best. Yeah, you know, it's just Aziz is is a master at getting in on the inside using his shortness. Yeah, even though he claims he's five ten, I I just can't see it. Um, but he, he gets inside and he lets his hands go constantly as yeah. soon as he gets there. There's no messing about with this man. Yeah. I mean, he really is. He's, he's, he's very similar in style to his, his hero, Marvin Hagler. Yeah. And I'd, I just thought he was excellent again as the fight wore on. Yeah. I just thought he got better and better. He got touched in the sixth round, which was the only significant punch that Rocky Fielding landed. Yeah. It was a left hook. And as he's, it's like it just woke him up. Yeah. And, 
Aziz doesn't, when he's putting his foot on the pedal, he doesn't sit down on his punches more or anything like that. He just ups the pace. Yeah. He's got several gears to his game and it's really difficult to get that. Yeah. And he does it and he does it so well. And as soon as he steps it up, by the end of that six, he had Fielding really hurt. Yeah. And then by the end of the seventh, the fight was done, got stopped in the eighth. And yeah. The tail came in, didn't it? And yeah. And, and he put Fielding down in the seventh towards the end of the round as he well. He did. So. It, was a, it was a body shot as yeah. well, wasn't it? It was a right a straight cross, right yeah, yeah. yeah to the body odd odd punch to put someone down with yeah because exactly. normally with a body shot you're going to be stepping in yeah and dipping the knees yeah and really digging in there with a hook or an mm. uppercut you know if you're going to floor someone very odd punch to, to put someone down with yeah yeah makes I mean, me like aziz even more yeah yeah um a great performance from dan aziz and i mean i think i also got the distinct impression that you know rocky fielding was in it really for for a payday i'm not criticizing him per se but i don't think he came in really with any belief that he could win this fight where does dan aziz go from here because he's 33 now he hasn't got any time to waste it's really difficult because i don't know who sky have got for him Mm. that's the thing his his natural rivals are over at design so i want to see him in with you know the obvious guys with craig richards and Barazzi and, yeah. and this lot it, it'll be fantastic you I mean know. even Lyndon Arthur's with Vassiman yeah know. and that's not going to happen is it well Vassiman and Shalom they could work together I think yeah they could do. I mean Lyndon Arthur's hardly full of options so that might be the fight make sense go to yeah. fight for both of them really. yeah maybe that's the one um, who would you favour if they fought the two of them Aziz. Aziz. I Quite think I fancy now. Aziz now yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. I think Aziz is so fresh and hungry. He might be 33, but he doesn't fight like it. He hasn't he got fights the mileage. Like a, no, and he fights like a hungry 21-year-old. Lyndon Arthur has that look of someone who's not that fresh anymore and he's not that passionate on the job. So I'd, yeah. I'd always go for Aziz in that situation. I, I really, I've, I've got high expectations actually on him. Yeah. So fair play to Dan Aziz, uh, another uh, one who we have high hopes for in 2023. Mm. Now, here's a fight that took place earlier in the week on a Tuesday, around about 11 in the morning whilst I was at work. <laughs> we were told think, 12, weren't we? Yeah, I was a bit As disappointed because well. I did try and check it out. And at 12 o'clock, I was like, oh, it's finished. Yeah. Oh, so I found out the result. Yeah, you just text me saying, I was like, oh, I was planning on just to stick that on. <laughs> it was really annoying. I hope my boss is I listening. I but... Bet365 because they said 12 o'clock. Anyway, um, Paul Butler against Naya anyway, which was for the undisputed Bantamweight Championship. Everyone predicted that it would be one-way traffic and that Inoue would essentially destroy Paul Butler. And the only surprising thing about this fight was that it went 11 rounds. Uh, Inoue absolutely had his way with Paul Butler. It was quite a disappointing performance from Butler, I have to say. Um, I, I feel I have conflicting thoughts about this because... For me, it was obvious that he was in a you know in way above his head. He didn't really he didn't try to win the fight at all. He was in survival mode from round one. Again, it's something we talk about quite a lot. It's not gambling to win the fight. Yeah, exactly. And Tim Bradley on comms was very very critical of Paul. But I mean, he basically said, "I hope I never see him fight again," which is brutal. He was scathing from early on as well. He'd made his mind up after about two two rounds there, Tim. Yeah. And to be fair, he it was a a decent assessment. Yeah. And the other thing as well, which I mean, even Naya in a way was bored by the whole thing because. You know, from about the fourth or fifth round, what I can't even remember. You know, he started fighting completely 
um, unconventionally for him, you know, hands down, doing weird movement, basically doing whatever he could to just get Paul Butler to throw something so he could counter with a, you know, like a clean, crisp shot. Um, and maybe he was a bit frustrated as well. He wanted to put on a show and he was fighting someone who was just content to cover up and block as many punches as possible. Um, anyway, Inoue finally put Butler away in the 11th round with a vicious assault to the body. Paul Butler had no chance of recovering and the fight was stopped. So congratulations to Naya Inoue. I mean... I did say I had conflicting thoughts because part of me does agree with Tim Bradley. I'm, you know, quite disappointed that he didn't go for it. It's a massive fight. You never. I also think, you know, no matter, you you can be completely overmatched in a fight, but it just takes one punch. And I don't care how great a fighter anyone is, if you get caught with the right punch, you're going down. You might not get knocked out, but you could get very badly hurt, and that gives you, you know, your opponent a chance. Paul Butler just didn't go for it. But on the other side, clearly out of his depth, he he knew, I think he knew straight away that there was absolutely no way he was going to even come close to having any chance of beating this guy. And can you blame him in a way, you know? Why go into the ring, maybe go go for it and get concussively knocked out and and badly hurt? Who knows? Paul got this shot off of the back of winning a sort of interim-y belt he which means nothing yeah. that then got upgraded it, he's well below this level he knows that we all yeah. know it he was put in there because he had this trinket and that made the undisputed fight now yeah. it was, it's a sort of just quirky history okay paul butler's been able to take part in one of the very few in the grand scheme of things undisputed title fights in the history of boxing and he turned up and treated it as though it was just a fight that he you know, he had no ambition to win. Yeah. And the, as you said, he he had no chance of winning, yeah. let alone ambition to win it. And, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, it was disappointing. And I think that it was such an on-effort, I err on the side of that was sort of borderline unacceptable, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, yeah. I, I do want to be, you know, I want to be generous towards the fighter and I kind of want to have a bit of compassion and I feel for him. It must have been, I mean, if I was in the ring with Naya Nui, I'd probably... Do yeah. the same thing. <laughs> no, but that is the case. But you weren't getting 200 grand or whatever he was getting to get in the ring with Naira Nuo. Yeah. It was his choice. And he's a fighter. Exactly. You it's his job. It. So, yeah, very disappointing performance from Paul Butler. But um, we're big fans of Naira Nuo. I mean, he's going to be moving up in weight now, I suspect. Who does he who does he take on? I mean, it's Stephen Fulton Jr., maybe? Yeah. That would, I mean, again, though, it's a... It's big risk for relatively small reward. And what I mean by that is that Fulton Jr. is an excellent fighter, Mm. but he's not got the profile. It's a really tough fight. And that that is one that should be one of the sort of big fights in boxing. Mm. And it wouldn't be. It would just be another fight. He wouldn't get any sort of better ratings as he does on his usual fights, you know. Do you see it? I mean, something about Inoue, he reminds me a bit of Manny Pacquiao. He's got that that nastiness in him and he's got that that spring, that speed, that, you know, the it's combination. The jerky in and out. Jerky in and out. He's, yeah. You know, I, know exactly so I think he could carry his power up 100% up the, you know, the weight classes. Um, and he's at that so, so similar sort of age where I think, you know, he could potentially become a superstar of the sport. Um, I think he's just too small. Mm, yeah, true, true. I think it's just unfortunate the little guys just don't get the profile. Yeah. And he won't. 
Yeah. So anyway, congratulations to Naya Inoue, handled business as expected. Right, let's move on to the news. And uh, we've got a few pieces for you. And Joel is going to give you a lengthy update on the Connor Ben situation. Because as I understand it, Joel, Mr. Ben has released yet another statement, followed by the submission of a 270-page dossier, shall I call it, and defence to the WBC. Joel, what's going on here? So Connor released a statement the other day. Now, it basically said nothing other than I'm innocent and it will be proven. Yeah. But it had zero substance to the statement whatsoever. Now, after that, the WBC have confirmed, it was a bit surprising to me that it was the WBC, but they confirmed that they had received a 270-page document which was a sort of defense of Conor Ben and an explanation for why he had this in his system. They haven't released any details, but they said, well, there's a lot to get through. Yeah. So, so there's a lot to get through on here. It's 270 pages. Yeah. Uh, therefore, you know, it might take us a while, but we should have things cleared up by, um, by the new year. So this is quite a massive case and situation. The WBC are saying, well, yeah, give us a couple of weeks and we'll we'll have our minds made up and this will all be cleared up and sorted. Yeah. So I can see straight away what's going on here. And I'm going to build my case to you. Right. Right. And in order to do this, we're going to go through a little bit of a timeline of events. Right. right? Just to refresh our memory, actually get, because there's been a lot here that's been thrown at us over the last few weeks. Yeah. Let's get the facts. What's happened here? So on July 25th, Conor Ben failed a VADA drugs test for a female fertility drug known to boost testosterone in men. It's called clomiphene. Yeah. Right? Then on September the 1st, Conor Ben failed a second test for clomiphene. Yeah. Now, neither of these tests were made public. Now, we don't, we still don't know exactly when all the parties were informed as well on these. Now, on October the 5th, yeah. which was three days out from the scheduled fight, which was on October the 8th against Chris Eubank Jr., the Daily Mail broke the news that Conor Ben has failed the September 1st drugs test. Now, this was shocking news to everyone at the time, right? Mm. Now, shortly after the story is released, Matram claim in a statement that no rule violation has been confirmed on the part of Ben because he has not yet submitted his B sample. We'd failed that other test in July. This is now October, mm. and they're saying, well, we can't prove anything against him because he has not submitted his B sample. That's up to Ben to submit the B sample. There was no um there was no delay other than on Connor Ben's team here. Mm. Okay. Then they say he remains free to fight. Both sides have taken medical and legal advice and are aware of all relevant information, and, and that's important, right? yeah. and wish to proceed with the bout this Saturday. Yeah. So the British Boxing Board of Control then released a statement stating on the same day that they have pulled their sanctioning of the fight because it's not in the interest of boxing. They also said that they'd done this basically the day before, yeah. that they didn't inform the parties the day before with this. Matram then do lots of interviews. So Matram with Eddie Hearn, and Frank Smith start doing the rounds and they do a lot of interviews which are putting pressure on the board to put the fight on, as do the Wasserman with Kalasawalan mm. that was on, on behalf of Wasserman, right? So they are putting all this pressure out there to reverse the decision. They repeatedly state that they want the fight to go ahead, but with British Boxing Border Control backing. Yeah. On October the 6th, the next day, Matram end up calling off the fight and they release a statement which reads, in part... Was it 270 pages? <laughs> it might have been about 270 words. 
It is undeniable that the British Boxing Border Control's decision to withdraw their sanctioning was procedurally flawed yeah. and without due process. That remains a legal issue between the promoter and the board, which we intend to pursue. So that's a direct threat, threat at the board. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're a lawyer. You know what's going on here. Yeah. 15th of October. So we're going through a couple of weeks here. We go to the 15th of October. It is reported that Team Ben have instructed world-renowned sports lawyer Mike Morgan of Morgan Sports Law to take on his case. Now, Morgan has represented Tyson Fury, Chris Froome, Dillian White and others. All in, the drugs cheats. Yeah. So <laughs> all, all the ones that have been basically caught cheating with drugs but have got off on some sort of technicality or have had some sort of favourable outcome. Yeah. So something like Tyson Fury, he got a backdated two-year ban because they threatened to sue UCAD and UCAD just couldn't take the liability. Yeah. They delayed the case for two years on, on Fury's part and UCAD. They're both struggling here for whatever reason. Mike Morgan has got favourable outcomes for yeah. all of these guys, basically. That was on October the 15th. Yeah. Right. On October the 26th, Connor Ben relinquishes his British boxing licence. Yes. Now, this was a completely shock move that none of us saw coming. Yeah. We haven't actually seen it in a pig fighter before. We haven't seen this happen. He's just given up his licence. Other than David Hay years ago walked off and, and didn't fight, you know, under the British. They, he, he went and fought under foreign auspices. He he's not saying he's going to do this, Connor, but he's relinquished his license. This is a puzzling move, right? Ben's team claim that they have done so because of the unfair and biased procedure put in place by the board. That's what they said at the time. Now, the next day, on October 27th, Connor Ben admits to the Sun that he's failed another test and that that test was preceding the September test, that this was on July the 25th. Yeah. So this is big. Why has he done this, right? I think that Morgan might have found a loophole here, which he is trying to exploit. My conclusion is that Team Ben's strategy seems to have been to discredit the British Boxing Board of Control to the point that in the public mind, it doesn't matter if they're adjudicating disciplinary proceedings, mm. then bypass them entirely and claim that the WBC are the only body they must answer to because it was under a VADA test carried out through the Clean Boxing Programme. So they're totally disregarding that this fight was on UK soil and that it was licensed by the British Boxing Board of Control. It's good, Joel. Um, I mean, ugh, the whole thing is very unsavoury, though. Just, yeah, boxing is... Uh, yeah, it can be a bit dirty and slimy. I mean, well, if he sticks. gets away with uh, any, an, an, you know... No punishment well, or a very minor one. The thing it's is... It's not going to sit well with me at all. I don't, I don't know what, you know... <sighs> But how this is going to be his... sorted afterwards because he's going to have to get his British Boxing Border Control licence back at some point yeah. if he ever wants to fight in this country yeah. again. Right? But I don't know whether they're just setting this so that they know that they're not going to be able to get this past the British Boxing Border Control. Yeah. I know that. He's failed two drugs tests for a a really bad performance enhancer. No matter what they say, they say it's not a performance enhancer. It clearly is. Mm. It boosts your testosterone. That is a performance enhancer. Yeah. Surely, if he wants to box again, he's going to have to, uh, you know, oh, well, have to apply for his right. license again. How, so, what are the British Boxing Board of Control going to do? Just give him a license and say, "Oh, it's all done now." Well, what I think is or most likely. Well, what I think is most likely is this is actually just for our benefit. Yeah. This is to convince the public. Yeah. So this whole thing is that. Well, one set these guys have already found us innocent. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter what the British Boxing Board of Control said, or not that it doesn't matter. Yeah. But that they can say, well, you know. Potato, potato. <laughs> okay, yeah. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. This is gonna. It's just muddy in the waters, and yeah, this is what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, yeah. 
and it, it's dirty it's dirty stuff and and they're essentially looking to get him off on loopholes it looks like yeah the other thing as well is I, I, what annoys me is that the, a lot of the sanctimonious nonsense coming out of coming from Connor Ben on social media I mean it just does my head in like you'd almost think that he's the victim of a murderous plot here that's the thing it's it's astonishing his stance he is so indignant yeah he keeps coming out and saying that he's not going to forget the people that didn't believe him now all this and going on along these lines and how he'll get his revenge eventually yada 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 look mate all that's happened here is that you've failed two drugs tests and you've provided zero explanations as to why you failed those drugs tests. Yeah. So we just know that you failed them. You then lied about the fact that you'd failed them. Yeah. You you said that you hadn't failed a first drugs test. There was a first drugs test that you then had to admit that there was. Yeah. You've lied the whole way through. You failed two drugs tests. What yeah. on earth do you think people are going to believe? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's crazy, really. And the whole thing is just... Uh never seems to end this story we'll probably be reporting on it in 2024 joel well it's a really fun story so i hope so <laughs> right let's move on to another news story so savannah marshall has confirmed that she will be activating a rematch clause with clarissa shields she's hoping that a rematch takes place at saint james park Nukasal, man. um the land of you know alan shearer and that's about it that's about it yeah um anyway I have to say, I just, I, I don't know why. I mean, yes, I can see why she's activating it because it's probably the biggest money fight for her and the most competitive fight she can have, but she's not going to win that fight. No, she was outclassed. That fight didn't really demand a rematch. No, and but also, Clarissa Shields has been very vocal about, I mean, this is where it's quite interesting. Clarissa Shields basically said, look, we can rematch, but it's going to be in America, but it can't be in America because Clarissa Shields won't draw no um so it will have to be in the uk i mean i just think i mean it's funny isn't it How, for someone who is as good as clarissa shields is to sort of be in a predicament where she's beholden to someone who she beat convincingly well we're still in this stage in the female game aren't we where the superstars aren't necessarily the power brokers in the sport because it hasn't caught up yet yeah and so in america the female game is much smaller than it is in in britain and i'd say probably europe as a whole and in parts of south america mm. they just don't have the culture there yet yeah so it's yeah it's just not a big sport i've got to say another, another bit on this i've like ben shalom has said that he doesn't think the fight's going to be next he said that afterwards on an ifl interview Right. I'm not sure that this is going ahead straight away or that necessarily the contract states that this has to happen straight away if, if one of them calls for it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Anyway, let's see how that one pans out. Right, next one. We've got... So, uh, Robert Garcia says that Mikey Garcia, his uh, brother, former world champion, is contemplating a comeback and has been in the gym for a couple of weeks. Well, do you know what I think's happened here, Joe? I think that um, Mikey Garcia saw Sandor Martin's performance against Teofimo Lopez and thought, oh, maybe I didn't do that bad. Yeah. Maybe that wasn't a performance worthy of retiring on. Yeah, maybe. So yeah. Maybe, maybe I've still got the stuff. Mm. Do you think he still has the stuff? No. No, he doesn't. I don't think he has the stuff. I think he should just enjoy his retirement. Yep. I he, actually, lost the, he lost the hunger years ago. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't like boxing either. He's no, been he very vocal about that. I mean, it was just their way of you know, making a living. Hmm. Also, I thought um, 
when you uh, said he'd been in the gym for a couple of weeks, so it might just be because he put on a lot of weight. <laughs> it's likely, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, this is an interesting news story. So David Avanesian, um, fresh off his defeat to Terence Crawford, has filed a complaint with the Nebraska Commission over Terence Crawford being allowed to continue in the fight despite a split in both gloves. Now, that is a fact. There is no disputing this. The gloves were split. And from maybe correct me if I'm wrong, Joel, but from what I understand, the, the was it the 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 round before he knocked Avanesian out, um, one of the commissioners or the referee checked the gloves and said, um, continue, but you de- will need to change them in the next round or something like Between that. Between rounds, Between maybe. Between rounds, exactly. Mm. But lo and behold, he just subsequently knocked Avanesian out. What do you think? I mean, does he have um, valid grounds for this fight being ruled like a uh, no contest now and the decision being overturned? I think, yeah. To be honest, it seems like he does. Not that he would ever get the decision in Nebraska. This is Terence Crawford's hometown. They're not yeah. going to overturn the fight. Yeah. But it does seem... A really awful situation here. He, there were clear massive splits in his gloves, and he's been completely ironed out. Yeah. Um, with a, you know one-two combo. Yeah. From those two gloves. Yeah. Yeah. And you know was not not clean out. Yeah. No, I. I mean, I. When he when just quickly he hadn't really seemed that bothered by Crawford's prunt punches previous to that he'd been eating a lot of punishment but i can't remember him being rocks around the ring yeah and then all of a sudden he's just bosh yeah. completely ironed out yeah yeah i mean it's an interesting one i i think you've just got to go by the letter of the law really i mean at the end of the day if the gloves are split and he was allowed to continue and you know with just those gloves when he shouldn't have been then yeah probably mm. should be ruled a no contest i mean no offense david avanesian is never going to win that fight I don't think so. Absolutely, but he not. may, you know, he may be able. You know, maybe he can legitimately claim that it did, you know, cause him to get hit harder than mm. he would otherwise have been, and maybe he would have been able to take the fight uh, down the stretch. Who knows? Um, but that's it's a really interesting. One. I'll be really interested to see how this one uh, pans out. So, because um, that one sort of came out of the blue, and there's been a lot of talk about it on social media. So, an interesting one. It's right. a rare, rare story. Yeah, it is. Really yeah. rare. Yeah. I haven't heard of this before. No. Um, right, let's go to the Kinahan of the week. So um, I'm just going to give this to this whole charade thing involving Jake Paul. So the WBA basically had some sort of weird convention thing and they awarded Jake Paul a inverted commas world title which was handed to him by uh, Bernard Hopkins, the legend that is Bernard Hopkins. I mean, talk about, you know, dragging a legend under the... what You know, imagine how he must have felt having to give this to to Jake Paul, um, probably as part of some sort of role he has with the WBA. Oh, that really disappoints me, that. It does. So, I mean, fair play... Fair play to Jake Paul. He did say uh, when he was handed it, "Oh, this is a bit, you know, a bit weird in the sense that I have don't feel I've re- earned re- really earned this, you know, in the ring like mm. other great champions do." And he seemed remiss to take the belt, but a, a, a bit of prompting, he, you know, he did. Um, what are the WBA? Why? Uh, I, what have they I, given him, Joe? What, what exactly? What have they called the belt? I, I don't know. Some sort oh. of like world title. Right. That's what they're classing it um but apparently the, the reason why they've done this is because 
um, according to them, he's essentially transformed the face of boxing, changed the business model, blah, blah, blah. It's well, he's changed our design subscription, but not for the better. Yeah. Um, what annoys me about this whole thing is it's just, um, you know, just take your head out of Jake Paul's ass, basically, because he's not good for boxing. He's really boring. He's not, you know, he wouldn't fight a decent fighter in a million years because he knows he's going to get absolutely battered. And um, why is he getting headlines within boxing? He's not a boxer. I'm sorry. Just to stop it. I've had enough of it. It's, uh, it's infuriating. And yeah, to see someone like Bernard Hopkins part of this whole charade, it's, you know, it's, it's very sad. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is. Um so I think we're just going to give the WBA the Kinnan of the week. Most of the organisations deserve it, to be honest. They all seem to want to pander to him. Um, but anyway, there we go. Right, there are no previews since it's the end of the year. The you know boxing's winding down, so nothing really. Certainly, no fights coming up this weekend. So we have the magazine lottery section, and Joel has picked out an edition of. Okay, so I picked out an edition of Boxing News from the twenty sixth of February, twenty ten. Uh, this is the one with a fresh faced Kevin Mitchell on the front. But I've ignored the Kevin Mitchell stories um, and I've gone straight through to the action from the US section right. um, to ringside report from Ron Ross. Right? Good old Ron Ross. Good old Ron Ross. He had attended a card in Hollywood, Florida yeah. on February the 16th. Now, this is just one of those crazy boxing stories, which is why I brought it up. And right. it stars one of my favourites, Oliver McCall, yeah. who had the best chin bar none in the history of boxing. Right? Correct. He was also just a terrible mental. drug addict and had <laughs> yeah. terrible mental health issues. He was meant to be fighting at the Hard Rock um, live arena against Yuri Lawrence on this night. But in the week before the fight, the 44-year-old the former title holder got arrested on drugs charges and they were possession charges and that then put him in jail. Right. So the famed matchmaker Johnny Who took his Boss, place? Famed matchmaker Johnny Boss <laughs> looked around for a replacement. He must have looked in his living room and gone, what about your son there, Elijah? Yeah. So he brought in his, his 21-year-old son, Elijah McCall, right. to stand in. And he stood in in the main event, made a main event against this Juru Astilde. Um, did, did he inherit Oliver's chin? Absolutely not. He <laughs> got completely ironed out in this fight. Badly oh, and really? quickly, oh, yeah. Gosh. And it it was just what was his professional terribly... record at the time? Funnily enough, I mean, what, he he obviously was a professional fighter. You can't just take someone's son unless they're an, a boxer. Yeah, so he was four and zero with one draw at the time. Elijah McCall and Armanir was Aristotle was six and one. He lost his debut, but then won six fights on the spin. Yeah, going into the fight. Now I thought he was fighting Yuri Lawrence. Sorry. No, that was his dad. That was oh, Oliver McCall. Sorry. But oh. Yuri Lawrence, Yuri Lawrence was sort of seen as too too tough an opponent. Yes, ah, so they changed that. So to they change changed, the yeah. Ah, fine. Yeah, enough. they couldn't put him in with Zuri. He pro probably wouldn't have even been um, got past the commission. Yeah, because uh, you know Elijah was a novice. Yeah, you know, yeah so they yeah. put him in with another no novice essentially, and it didn't work out well. And I just thought, what a crazy little episode in boxing that was. We have Elijah um, uh, Oliver McCall making his comeback. He. 
been doing all this stuff at the time about how he was back. He was, you know, training, training his son. Living the clean life. Yeah, and it was a real big story at the time that was coming through. And then days before the actual fight, when he's due to be in the ring, he's done on drug possession and, you know, it's really heartbreaking, really. Yeah, yeah, you know, it is. No, it's not You it's know, not had nice. all this to aim for and he's got his family involved and he still couldn't stay away from his demons. It, yeah. You know, he was, he, was, he was sick, you know, he was a sick man. Mm. And only in boxing do they then go, God, terrible family sort of crisis going on here i hear your son can yeah fight, like. i hear your son <laughs> <laughs> could come in here and take some punches for us yeah they got his son in and the poor boy's basically taking a beating for his dad and really put the end of, of his career it marked the end of his career really how would you feel a as a dad if that had happened like you know i mean i'd sort of feel fairly ashamed my son's just taken a pasting in the ring because i couldn't I may have to take some drugs to get over the feeling, mate. Gosh, this yeah, is the problem no. in that situation, isn't it? Yeah, you know? yeah it's, less, it's a um, vicious cycle. It really is. So Elijah went on to have little success in boxing, losing most of his fights, really. And Aristilde, who who'd won that fight, um, went on to lose his next three fights, won a couple, and then lost the fight, last six fights of his career, mm. retiring in 2019. And Elijah McCall, by the way, retired in 2013. So. He didn't. He didn't give it a great go either. So it's just one of those crazy little stories in boxing. A little side note. A little yeah, side note no, in history in the sport. One. I'm, I'm glad you brought that one up. Actually, I would. I wouldn't have known that from Adam. And I had just completely forgotten about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, Oliver McCall, if you're listening, hopefully you're a better dad these days. <laughs> On that note, right? right. Do you want to pick yours? I'll, go I'll get pick the magazine. Yeah. So I just want to. Uh, let our listeners know that next uh, week's pod will be a we will be doing a sort of end of year awards thing so we'll be picking our fighter of the year our fight of the year and our knockout of the year and any other things of the year that Kinahan we can of think year. of the Kinahan of the year big one. might have to go to Tyson Fury <laughs> that might be my early contender for it <laughs> so yes anyway give me the stash Right, here's a stash, Joe. And you're going to take them all. <sighs> so I have picked out an edition of Boxing News dated the 21st of September 2007, which on the front cover uh, features Mark Prince and a somewhat sad story about um, his son who was murdered and how he was dealing with that. So I shall... Have a look through that edition and see see what we can come up with to discuss next week. I think that's it, Joel. On that note, I shall say thank you all for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. And Joel, do you have any final words? Love you all. And on that note, goodbye. Goodbye.